about the social network starring Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Army Hammer, Max Minghella, Rudy Mara, Brenda Salm, Rashida Jones, Josh Pence, Joseph Mazzello, and Dakota Fanning. Directed by David Fincher. I am Ryan, one of your hosts of the Cinema Talk Podcast. I'm Brendan, one of your hosts of the Cinema Talk Podcast. And I'm Matthew. And I'm Logan, and we show up and watch movies. Yes, indeed. And we are back. Once again, all four of us are back to review a David Fincher movie. Uh, I guess real quick, Matt, since you weren't on the Curious Case of Benjamin Button movie, what what were your thoughts? Uh, I'm really bummed out I couldn't be on that episode. Um, I did watch, I did listen to uh, the, the published episode. It was very good. But there's just so much to discuss with that movie that I wish really? I could have been on there. Yeah, I had a, I think my biggest takeaway after hearing what you guys thought about it was that I hated the beginning of the movie and I liked the end of the movie more than all you guys. Um, I found the old, wrinkly old baby stuff to be legitimately terrifying and I couldn't stand any moment that old wrinkly Brad Pitt was on screen. But I thought the That's movie fair. turned absolutely fantastic once him and Kate uh, Blanchett's ages like coincided. And then it coincided with like the 50s and 60s. And then from there on out, it was just watching beautiful people make love and run around different countries for a good like 30 minutes. Which was just like amazing to see. And then Dead Baby. And then Dead Baby, which I actually found to be really touching. I thought it was – I actually cried there at the end. I thought it was really, really heartbreaking – um, the way that she had to take care of him. I thought they handled it tastefully. Like you, Logan, I was terrified that they were going to put young, they were going to de-age Brad Pitt onto a young yeah. boy's body. I was really yeah. scared, but I was thankful that they did not. Um, yeah, so weird. I, I think in terms of rating, I would give it, I would go B minus. I was kind of wavering between a B and a B minus, but I do dislike more than I like. And I like thinking about it as a whole, like I don't really ever want to rewatch it just because I don't want to have to get through that hour and 50 minutes of just, oh, I don't even know what it was, but it, but it was something. Um, it was a movie. It was something. And, you know, I appreciated some parts. I liked the whole clock thing with that guy who played the Napa detective in Zodiac, that blind guy. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But overall, a weird movie for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's. Uh, I'll give a little bit of a preview of my thoughts. We're kind of, <clears throat> we're hitting this this phase now of, of Fincher's career where I feel like he, like, just took off. Like, the last three of his, these movies that we're going to review before Mank, which, by the way, today, we're, when we're recording this, the trailer dropped for it, and it's coming out December 4th, so we're going to have to play around with the schedule a little bit, but we're reviewing Mank when it comes out. Um, but, yeah, these three, these next three movies are all in my top five of his of his films, so very excited to be talking about these movies, so... Um, the Social Network uh, was kind of a weird project for Fincher to take on. Um, we haven't really been going through the history of Fincher's career too much, um, but I think it's worth noting here that he's teaming up, and we'll save our thoughts on the actual team up, but he's teaming up with Aaron Sorkin here. Um, not not a, a collaboration that you would have expected. Aaron Sorkin does a lot of walk-and-talk movies, uh, the West Wing TV show, um, you know, he's he's a, he was a playwright first, so it doesn't really transfer, you think, you know, to David Fincher, who is, you know, this super stylized director, always going for, um, except for Curious Case of Benjamin Button, always going for hyper-violent, hyper-realist stories. Um, so going into this movie, I know that me and Matt had seen this movie before. If you go and listen to our top 25 of the decade, you'll get some spoilers on our thoughts on this movie, yeah. just on the fact that it's on that list. But uh, Brendan and Logan... Did you know about the collaboration with Sorkin, um, and what were your thoughts going into this movie? I had seen it um, 
you know, just like looking at the fucking, I don't know, Wikipedia page. Um, I, I know of Aaron Sorkin. I've, you know, seen some of his work, uh, but it, it didn't really have too much bearing on the movie for me. I wasn't really like conflicted over it either way. That's kind yeah, of uh, I knew that Aaron Sorkin was involved. That's about the extent of my knowledge uh, with this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and um, obviously, Social Network is the story of uh, Facebook, which I think a lot of people have a very valid, argu- valid argument that we need to be having a sequel to this movie um, some point here soon because so much has happened in the last decade since this movie came out um, involving Zuckerberg and Facebook. But I think we'll save that maybe for the end of the podcast in terms of what a sequel would sequel would look like, what the real life story is and all that. I think for the purposes of this podcast, I think we should talk about, um, first the movie itself. And then we can talk about Zuckerberg as a person afterwards. Um, I mean, do we, do we want to preface it with just saying that we're aware that Mark Zuckerberg kind of sucks shit? Yeah. But that kind of covers it. Yeah, he does. And, um, I didn't mention this already in this podcast, but I think we've mentioned it before. I literally, in in a college course in high school, like our AP course, uh, had to do a presentation on... We had to do a presentation on historical accuracy of a movie, and I did this movie, and this movie is basically fictional. Like, oh, this movie, like, it gets the essentials right in terms of, like, Mark Zuckerberg got sued by the Winklevi and Eduardo Saverin, and he screwed him out of the company and those kind of things. Besides that, all individual scenes and stuff are, are completely fictionalized, so... I don't think in terms of we, I don't think we need to get bogged down in the details of actual transfer in terms of like what's real, what's not. I think there are plenty of articles online that you can find that, but I think for the purposes of this podcast, we should just talk about the movie. Yep. So uh, Logan is going to be taking care of the plot summary this time, giving me a, a break on this one, which is nice. So Logan, take it away. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, this is written by Columbia Pictures, uh, and of course, taken from IMDb, as always. Every age has its visionaries who leave in the wake of their genius a changed world, but rarely without a battle over exactly what happened and who was there at the moment of creation. The social network explores the moment at which Facebook was invented through the warring perspectives of the super smart young men who each claimed to be there at its inception. The movie moves from the halls of Harvard to the cubicles of Palo Alto to capture the heady early days of a culture-changing phenomenon in the making, and the way that it pulled excuse me, the way that it both pulled a group of young revolutionaries together and then split them apart. In the midst of the chaos are Mark Zuckerberg, played by Jesse Eisenberg, the brilliant Harvard student who conceived a website, Eduardo Saverin, played by Andrew Garfield, once Zuckerberg's close friend who who provided the seed money for the fledgling company, Napster founder Sean Parker, played by Justin Timberlake, who brought uh, Facebook to Silicon Valley's venture capitalists, and the Winklevoss twins, Army Hammer and Josh Pence, but kind of just Army Hammer? The Harvard classmates who asserted that Zuckerberg stole their idea and then sued him for ownership of it. Uh, Each has his own narrative, his own version of the Facebook story in this multi-level portrait of 21st century success, both the youthful fantasy of it and its infinite realities as well. Much Hmm. cleaner than what I would have done. I don't know Um, about that, buddy. I think think so. I think it's fair to say. Close. It's competitive. But, uh, yeah, uh, we know Matt and I's initial thoughts. So, Brendan and Logan, what were your initial thoughts on David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin's The Social Network? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a perfectly fine movie. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was, it was good. It was entertaining. It held my interest. Um, I, honestly, I didn't expect it to. 
uh, just because I hate, really hate Mark Zuckerberg. And I thought it was just going to be a bunch of pretentious bullshit because it was like, oh, they're at Harvard. And I, you know, I go to college in Boston, so I'm, you know, familiar with Harvard. I've been there a couple times. Um, <clears throat> but did I, they all row crew? The, uh, you know, they, they all did. Um, but yeah, the, everyone at Harvard rows crew. Everyone yeah. at Harvard. Um, but yeah, this, this movie, uh, was, was really, you know, I, I found it to be very entertaining, um, and not, you know, I mean, while it was pretentious, I feel like they, you know, in some ways acknowledged that, um, and kind of mitigated it. Although there was some parts where it kind of ran rampant. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I sort of have a handle on what parts you're talking about that uh, w- with that, and and we'll definitely get into that. But yep. yeah, no, I think overall, just Sorkin just has this writing style that he just writes dialogue like no one else, and it's just like it's so hypnotic uh, to listen to and to just watch unfold. I it really just kept my attention. I I love I love the way that this dialogue is written. That really just it kept me going throughout the whole thing. Um, I've have some issues with it but yeah overall very well made movie yeah and obviously matt and i love this movie i think that's very clear if you have listened to this podcast for any uh period of time you've heard us talk about this movie oh yeah so it's great uh i think it's i think we can just move on from there so let's start at the beginning as we like to do here um, with, I think, one of the best opening scenes, at least of the last decade, one of the best written scenes, opening scenes that I've ever seen. Absolutely. It's um, insane. Just so good. Amazing. Uh, yeah, we get we get introduced to Mark Zuckerberg, played by Jesse Eisenberg, and Eric Albright, played by Rudy Eisenberg. Mara. The return of Jerry Eisenberg. He's back. Um, He's back. But uh, there's just there's so much in this scene that I want to touch on. But Wait, do guys, you want to tell just... your your behind the scenes story that everyone knows from this? What 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 with Jerry Eisenberg? No, with just this scene. Oh, that it took ninety nine yeah. takes. <laughs> yeah, it this scene took ninety nine takes because Insane. that's the kind of filmmaker that David Fincher is, and I gotta say, paid off. It's a fantastic scene. It did, and I didn't. I didn't. I thought that like that his his intense style of filmmaking started here, but I was surprised to read that he did similar things with Zodiac, and that it apparently mm-hmm. like broke Jake Gyllenhaal, and how Robert Downey Jr. would like. Is that why he's him. so weird now? Maybe it may <laughs> was be, it, was but it apparently David like <laughs> apparently Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. would like protest on set, and like there was like some crazy stories about them like leaving things places. As, I don't know. It, it was very funny, but apparently he was doing the same thing on Zodiac. He, he's crazy. I love Jake but Gyllenhaal. It, as Floyd said, great. it certainly paid off. Good guy. I wish he were in this. He is. Yeah, but no, this this opening scene, how did you guys feel about this opening scene? Um, did it work for you as an intro to the characters? And then we can, I can, me and Matt can get into some of the tiny details that we like. There was definitely, like, immediately room for the character of Mark Zuckerberg to grow uh within you know this scene because he does start out like it it did worry me when he immediately was just like talking super fast about like random bullshit and i was like oh god here we go excuse me um but i think that like you know the the actual like intent behind the scene really kept my interest um and i i could see that they were setting up this like arc for him in some ways that he goes from this kind of like petulant you know college sophomore 
to eventually become the head of Facebook, even though, you know, there's like, he, he does over the course of the movie, a recurring theme is that Mark Zuckerberg kind of ruins everything. Um, but like, you know, that's still true today. Uh, that's kind of his thing. That's kind of his thing. Uh, He's just got to stick with it at this point. It's a shtick. Yeah. Yeah, um, but in terms of this this opening scene, I, I could see what they were going for, and I think it did work for me. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what I'm going to be saying for most of this movie, but, like, just the writing. Jesus, it's so good. It's, I just, I love Aaron Sorkin. I am astonished and bewildered at the fact that he is able to write college students so well. Why is he, like, how old is that guy at this point? Like, at least 50 removed fr- removed enough from college that you would think like when he tries to write like kids it'll come out a little come out a little rough but like he like i don't know i i can imagine these conversations i can imagine uh like meeting the character of mark zuckerberg in high school and like meeting his friends like everyone i feel like in the movie is and like sort of just in this first scene like both of these characters like very human characters very like you could meet these people in college. I feel like I have met these people in college and to see like the Mark Zuckerberg that I've like seen in the news a bunch, uh, portrayed as like the kind of person that, that I could meet and have met. Like it was very strange, but like, I don't know, really. I, I, I'm, I was just so impressed at the level of accuracy. I think that they were able to get. And like, I don't like, I don't know exactly what things are like at harvard but like i i have a decent idea i guess i don't know um but like you go to another ivy league school right so like but just in general yeah college kids really well written in this movie well directed well acted like yeah that's that's what i'm most impressed with and it's it's for context sake aaron sorkin is 59 um Hmm. so around what Hmm. we were guessing and it's interesting because, yes, I do agree with you that, like, he writes them so well. And at times they feel like, oh, okay, yeah, I've met someone like this. But overwhelmingly, I think that Aaron Sorkin doesn't really write, like, the way people talk in real life. Which, yeah, and he even admits to that. Yeah, which which I don't think is a negative. But I remember okay. the first time I saw this movie, it, it did throw me off. Because I was expecting more of a traditional biopic about zuckerberg and then i had like just these zingers flying left and right and i was like what 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 is happening you know like, i was kind of thrown off but you know this being my third viewing it just completely sucks me in and i think you kind of have to buy into that to the fact that like okay this isn't really how people talk in real life but and that it's going to be a little exaggerated a little outsized at times but uh, once you do i think it's so good I think it's a little bit like how, you know, Marvel and and DC, like these superhero movies, they take ordinary things that people do, like, you know, running and jumping and kicking and punching, and then they just, like, put it on this massive scale. And it's just, like, (laughs) it's the same, like, things that people can do, but it's just so fantastical. I think that's kind of what Sorkin's doing with writing. Like, it's like, I mean, dialogue is, like, basically how people talk. But, okay, People in movies don't always, you know, talk like they would in real life. It's not very natural. And Sorkin just takes that to a whole new level. He's just, and it's, bottom line, like, no matter what people are talking about, it's just fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing where he talks about, in a lot of interviews, and even in the, like, trailer for his master class, like, to him, dialogue is music. And, like, that whole concept, I feel like, especially when, we'll eventually get to the score in this movie, 
that the the pacing of the two, the way they merge, it just it works so well. Um, a couple little things that I want to talk about in this scene that I love so much. First of all, this is a nine-page scene <laughs> in terms of a script. This this script, I mean, this movie's like two hours almost on the money. This is a hundred and eighty page script, and the studio wanted Sorkin to cut it down, and he was like, "No, this is a two hour movie." Like, I know the normal rule is one minute per page, but this is this is a two hour movie, and like Sorkin was exactly right because he knew he could feel in his head as he wrote it the pace that this was supposed to be delivered, and he knew the the length of the movie, but. Small little things that I just, I love in this scene, little drop things, um, just right away, like the way that Sorkin just drops exposition on you just through character interaction. Mm-hmm. He drops that Eisenberg, or that, uh, Zuckerberg wants to be in a final club. He, he wants to be liked. He wants to, you know, have this image of himself, but also at the same time still dropping, um, who Eduardo is that he wants to be in a final club talking about rowing crew, um, right away when we know that you know especially on rewatch you know that eduardo being in a final club is a big deal of the story rowing crew is a big deal of the story because the winkle vibe row crew and they make a big deal out of it like kind of the winkle vibe being like the antithesis to zuckerberg like everything that zuckerberg like kind of wants to be but then also on top of that like the 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 last line of the scene is is fantastic and i'm pretty sure it's I, i have it in my notes that there's a victoria's secret drop line i forget if it's this one or if it's in um if it's in the uh, the face mash sequence later, uh, a little bit later, but uh, there's even a drop line about Victoria's Secret, which comes back later with Sean Parker's character in the dance club. Like all these little details of the characters, and also just small thing details of the film that Sorkin weaves into the everything in this initial scene. Just like this scene should be studied in every screenwriting class. It's so brilliant. The last line that you're talking about, Floyd, where where. The, the, she, she almost looks directly into the camera mm-hmm. and just this scathing indictment of Zuckerberg. Like, <laughs> I love how they do not hold back with this Rooney Mara character. How she flat out is just like, no, like, they won't like you because you're an asshole. Like, just from mm-hmm. the from the get-go, like, you suck. You are a terrible person. And I just love how strong they are with her character, especially when they bring her back. Mm-hmm. Rooney Mara is so good. Yeah, she is fantastic. And he's such a, like, love-to-hate-him character. Oh very, yeah, very fun to yeah. watch. Sure. And yeah, yeah, just to to talk about like the so, sort of some of the seeds that are sown very early on that we then follow up with later. In this uh, opening scene, he they sort of talk about how like you either row crew or you're like in an acapella group. And later, he sees both of those things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like he yeah. there's the or I guess he doesn't see it, but we see the acapella see, concert, yeah. which is very funny. And then uh, you know we also see like the the rowing guys uh, the. The Winklevi, as Zuckerberg calls them, I love they that also, line. They uh, also, a little bit later at the uh, the frat party, they drop the idea that they're going to be with Asian women at some point, and then that comes <laughs> yep, back. Like right. every everything that happens, every little detail that happens, Sorkin finds a way to write it in before it gets it, there. It's very well set up, and I think with those two things, he's like he's sort of like I don't really fit in in college at all, and he eventually like he just makes his own path. He's just like I'm going to do this, but like at the same time, he's drawing from other people's path. He's basically just, like, stealing ideas and then bulldozing anyone who gets in his way. And, like, yeah. he's an asshole, but I, I don't know. He, he's a very compelling character. Multidimensional yeah. Oh, character. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's... I mean, he... 
we'll get into it, but I think that the, the movie ultimately gets stolen by Garfield, but Eisenberg is so strong in this movie, and I think that, I mean, obviously this is the reason that he got Lex Luthor. Like, right? Like, this This is the reason that he got cast as Lex Luthor, because of the... That makes sense. Yeah. Because Still of the character, a good performance, but yeah, because of the version. Of, regardless of your thoughts on the performance, like knowing what they were going for, basically they were trying to make Mark Zuckerberg, you know, um, yeah. be the be Lex Luthor, like a Lex Luthor, uh, Mark Zuckerberg character. Obviously, you get the guy that played Mark Zuckerberg, so uh, he's fantastic Mark in this scene. Zuckerberg. He's fantastic in this movie. But I love then after that line, we cut out of the Thirsty Scholar Tavern, <laughs> and we get the start of the music. Oh. Oh my god, this this main theme, it's so simple, it's just a piano, but it is so good, especially when it hits that very deep tone at the end of it, it's fantastic. Oh. Yeah, I, I before Logan talks about the soundtrack and actually delivers some musical facts, um, I'll just talk about how much it slaps, because it's awesome. I listen to this on the daily. The song that we get after this, once they're Every starting day. to... To, once he starts to make the program is absolutely amazing. I, I would this is like one of my favorite scores of all time. I think Trent Razor and Atticus Ross, certainly of this decade, like maybe the most influential composers of this decade. When you go back and look at all the movies they have done, this is the, the start of their collaboration with David Fincher and their stuff for Gone Girl, which I, I would say is maybe even a little bit better than this. Um, and the stuff they've done for Watchmen, and then they just stuff for mid '90s and for Waves. It's absolutely insane. They're fantastic. Logan, ex- ex- take it away. Okay, they won the Oscar for the best score this year. Oh, they did. Nice. They were against um, Alexandre uh, Desplat, which is like what six weeks in a row that we've talked about him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my um, God. Come on the show. Yeah. Come, seriously, come on the show, man. At this uh, point, man. It was. It was Deuce, Tree of Life, and then Shape of Water, and then Boyhood we talked about because it doesn't have a score, and then, as we didn't mention it in Haunted Mansion, and we did bring it up last week because he did Benjamin Button, but yeah, so he's been he's been in us a lot recently, but he, um, yeah, so he did The King's Speech, which I actually haven't listened to, and I really should, but it's good. that was nominated that, that year. He beat out Hans Zimmer for Inception, and he beat out uh, John Powell for How to Train Your Dragon, which is one of the best scores in the world. This music is good. I don't think that it deserved that Oscar. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's, uh, Reznor and Ross's fault, but like some of the, some of the sequences in this movie, the music is just fit in, in a very strange way, a very afterthought kind of way. Like let's shoot this sequence. Let's like get it all together. And then like, I don't know, figure out something to, to go I there. super disagree with that. Hard disagree. There's a sequence that I want to talk about. Maybe we can just talk about it now. The rowing but, sequence? Uh, the, uh, the rowing sequence is actually great. I yes. love that so much. Um, yeah, no, and like, there's a lot of great music in this. Uh, I don't, I just don't feel that it's super well used. Like, there's a, there's a sequence. Uh, it's cutting between the lawyers talking in the, in that room and, um, sort of footage of the Winklevoss twins and the third guy um, figuring you. out, like slowly realizing, like, uh, okay, Zuckerberg isn't actually going to help us. They're like reading all his emails and stuff. Oh, that score, that piece is so good. When that scene, yeah, it's good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's not good. When that scene begins, there's no music playing. It starts like halfway through the scene, and here was here was the difference, and it sort of like fades towards the end. Here was the difference that I noticed. The lawyer that's talking, 
He's talking before the music starts and he's talking during the music starts. I don't think that he knows which lines are going to have music under them and which lines don't. And I think that's a little bit of an him. issue. Like he's delivering them the exact same way. There's no, and like, I don't think Fincher knew what he wanted at that point. Um, they don't underscore the whole scene. It feels like what I felt like was sort of like I was watching like a silent film and the the conductor was like late queuing in the orchestra or just like played the wrong cue and it ended too early or something. Like it just, it doesn't always feel like it matches up. It It's very strange. And then like, I don't know. They're, they're just, those lawyers, that lawyer's lines really just rubbed me the wrong way because he's saying them exactly the same before the music exact, as he is during the music. And there's just a disconnect. I don't feel like it's the fault of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. I think it's just the product of Fincher not really caring that much about the music. See, I, I disagree. I gotta disagree. For a man who shoots 99 takes of one scene, everything this dude does is intentional. There's a there's a great story from the set of Gone Girl where Ben Affleck made a bet with one of the DPs, and he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna twist the focus like ever, like ever so slightly." And I like he made a bet of whether or not David Fincher would notice. And Fincher walked up, and he was like. Something's wrong with the camera. Like, the dude is so attuned to every single little detail. Um, and, and I'm assuming that would transfer over to the score. Just because everything you said runs contrary to what I was going to say. Because I feel like the music always matches up so well. And just like Sorkin writes his dialogue as music with a certain kind of cadence. I always feel like the music is behind that. The score is behind that. Driving that with a super powerful force. Yeah, I mean, like... Absolutely. Like, go back and watch that scene. Like, you'll see what I mean. You'll see that there's... Okay, It doesn't okay. begin until partway through it. And then, like... Nothing changes in the performances or the way that it's cut together or anything. Later, I when that's um, necessarily a bad thing, though. Yeah. See, I feel like it. I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just like something that's sort of missing. It's just not necessarily lining up. It's it's nothing special. Um, are, you, are you talking about the scene where the lawyer is reading off the different emails and how? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I remember the music that's played there, but I don't. Remember Which like once about. the music gets going, it's it's good. It like really helps to move move the move that scene along, move that sequence, especially when it's just like a lawyer reading emails, you know? Um, And I I feel like with a lot of these sequences, the music really helps to move it along. Um, But just another quick example that I just thought of when um, Andrew Garfield is in the bathroom. I love when he goes into the bathroom uh, and he's he's calling Mark and his bed is like burning or something. The music in that scene, he walks into the bathroom and the music starts like a minute later. And it's like, and it just doesn't go for the whole sequence. It's just, it's very strange. It's not. The music hits at emotional beats though. It doesn't, if it's playing the entire time, it's not going to hit, especially in those scenes. I know what you're talking about in terms of starting halfway through the scene. It hits that downbeat of the piano starts when there's an emotional revelation. See, I didn't really ever feel like it matched up in that way, but. Oh, it, oh, it lines up perfectly. Go back and rewatch it. It lines up perfectly. All right. I mean, as soon as like as soon as anything dramatically happens, like like Zuckerberg tells uh, tells him that he's out, you know, he's out, you know, or that he he yells at him for like stopping the the funds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It always hits at the right time. Well, yeah. Even in the beginning, once, you know, when he comes back from the Thirsty Scholar and he's right, he's seen out the computer, he writes the blog post. There's no music. He's like, hey, I'm drunk and angry. I need something to take off my mind. And then once he starts going with this face mash idea, then the music kicks in and waits mm-hmm. again. And then boom, right when the idea is kicking in, it slams into effect. Yes. And, and let's talk about that sequence. Oh I mean, my God. This, this, this is, is like one of, like from here with the whole girls going to the club thing, face mash taking off. 
one of just my favorite, like, I don't know, 15-minute sequences of all time. Really? Just kinetic direction, kinetic energy, amazing writing by Sorkin, everything working together. Oh, it is just, it is like, yeah, like 10, 15 million minutes of brilliance. I mean, I think this whole movie is that way, but like this sequence just by itself in a little package, amazing. I think that like, it's a well shot sequence in terms of the actual like cinematography, but just the concept and what was happening was just so gross to me that I couldn't really fully enjoy it. Well, yeah, the movie's directly acknowledging that. And, and that's, I guess that's so, yeah. what I love about what i love about the scene is that it starts off and it kind of lulls you into what brendan was talking about like the cadence of like oh like you know this is you know he's got an idea going it's happening and then in the back of your head like you know like this is this is fucked up dude like what are you doing but it's just the guys in their dorms they're all laughing about it they're all just being like idiot college kids and then the moment for me maybe one of the most emotionally resonant moments is when stuff starts to pick up at the party right there's all like the people are making out and dancing and you see one of the guys gets the email and then they're laughing about it. They're just being like assholes, laughing about the photos. And then a girl walks up and she goes, hey, that's my roommate. And yeah. then right there, like that is such a powerful moment because that is – That's all you needed too. That that's all you needed to communicate it. That is yeah. consequences. And I love that moment. It completely contrasts the, the total asshole guys. Yeah, and that's that's the thing where it's like this movie, the entire time it is showing you it's, – it's very – Weirdly, kind of like the Wolf of Wall Street, except much less of the excesses. Like, it'll show you these excesses and people having fun, and it'll give you that moment of saying, like, you're wrong for enjoying this, and then it'll cut back to it, because if it hammers home just all the time, like, in that sequence, like... This is bad. That this is bad. If it, if it was constantly that way, it would just be hammering you over the head, and it doesn't let the audience think for it, for themselves, where all you need are, are those little moments, and then that moment of... um you know, someone tormenting Erica, you know, or yeah, Erica is her character's name. Yeah. Her in the door. You don't, you don't need it. You don't need it constantly throughout that sequence. And I think it also is very nicely juxtaposing after we had just seen that whole scene with uh, Zuckerberg talking about getting into a final club, immediately showing a final club's first party of the semester, contrasting with him making face mash, like those two things directly intercutting with each other immediately after he was talking about it. I think again, with structure for Sorkin, it is just, it is so impeccably done. I was having a really hard time figuring out why they're cutting between these two things. Like, why are we seeing him programming and this, like, rager at first? And then it sort of slowly started to realize, like, it's so that we can see him as an outcast. Which is, I mean, it's very important for, like, it's sort of his, like, villain origin story. Um, and we see him as an outcast, and then we slowly see how him being wrapped up in all his work actually starts to affect people. It starts to seep into the social like the social life of these like very elitist final clubs, um, and like and then they are affected by it, and they're interacting with it now. Like, it's a. Uh, I I thought it was I I was confused by it at first, but like once I just started to see more, I was like, oh okay, this is a. Uh, it's showing us that this is his way in. You know, this is like this is his way in. Um, to, you know, kind of social life, to sort of being mm-hmm. the legend that he is now. You know, positive or negative, he is a legend. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, like, also it helps Sorkin in terms of structuring this. Like, these are actual blog posts. Like, yeah. this is, like, word for word except for the name. these exist? Like, yes. Like, yes, you can look them up. He, why did yeah. he write this stuff? I was thinking that. He's a dick. Yeah. Yeah, he's a dick. And I think, I think the whole point of the movie is, like, yeah, he's an asshole. 
Like, yeah, Zuckerberg sucks. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, shame on him. A, a white guy in college thinking that the internet wants to hear his thoughts. I mean, <laughs> the only thing yeah, worse than would, one of them would be four. Listen, who, yeah, I was going to say, who would, who would do that? Who would do that? Um, um, an, another thing that I love about the scene and the, kind of this movie in whole is that Fincher takes that trademark uh, underworld grisly take of all his other movies of like you know fight club and zodiac and he applies it so well to this college movie at times like at times this is like a really weird mashup of like some sort of wall street business thriller and like some sort of rowdy animal house college movie you know Mm -hmm. and i love how he like it is like the underworld like the bus is taking the girls and then we're into like this seedy party but somehow he manages to make it seedy and also make it a harvard pretentious club it just oh it's such a it's such a delightful mashup it works so well but like it also kind of feels real in some ways like he's going he's going super serious with it um and like making making it seem like all of this is a really big deal and because it, you know, it was to them and it's getting us into that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good observation. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And while the, they are all doing despicable things in some way, shape or form, it did make me miss at least some form of real college, didn't it? Yeah. Just okay. even just hanging out with your friends in a dorm room for a, for a long night. What yeah. The, yeah. God, I miss it. Literally Pairing though, chickens like, around campus. Watching yeah. those fucking scenes of like parties happening. I was like, what's a party? I don't yeah, remember like? those. <laughs> Feels like a dream. Yeah. A long, I, I, distant memory. I hate how now, like, literally, like, just without without even thinking about it, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, why aren't they wearing masks? Yeah. Whenever I, I watch a fucking group scene now is what I, I, I think. When they were terrible. sharing that, uh, like, when, when there was that one sequence of him drinking out of, like, the Jack Daniels bottle, I'm like, that's unsanitary. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, it's, oh. it's like, this is unsafe. Oh, I hate it. But, uh, say, but though, moving it's on. such a realistic college experience with all the chickens I've had to carry around in my all time. All the chickens that you've had to carry all around. All the many dozens Well, again, that was, another, that was another true story, actually. Yeah, um, true. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah. I do love, then, after this sequence, it's smash cuts to the depositions. And after this 20 minutes, we are fully in the swing of these flashbacks slash flash yes. forwards, whichever way you want to see it, just intercutting between the depositions and the creation of Facebook, and again, with structure, just a brilliant stroke by Sorkin to intercut these two. He said in an interview, like, as soon as I saw these two, uh, you know, I wasn't going to write this movie until I saw these two lawsuits going on at the same time, and I was like, okay, this isn't about um, the creation of Facebook, this is about a friendship. And that's uh, immediately what we understand after, you know, after the smash cut to the deposition. It is just... It is an amazing second part of this movie after this first little intro. I like mm-hmm. thinking of it as a flash forward rather than a flashback, rather than like a, let me tell you how I got to this point, and more of like, this is what's coming. Like, he's enjoying it now, but this is always going to be in the future. Uh, this yeah. is always going to be like this foreboding event um, that's just going to cast a shadow over everything. Brendan, I, I don't know if maybe this is what, where you it sort of lost you, like lost the connection a little bit, but like, after at a certain point in this movie, it's just kind of a, a bunch of white people talking about law, and I, yep. it, it it's super well written. Like I don't know that, that if there was a part that didn't hold my attention, it was definitely that element of it, and I understand why it was necessary. But yeah, in, in the midst of the rest of it, it's not. Uh, I don't know, not as interesting. There's literally a line 
in a scene with the Winklevi that's like we have to like while we're we have to look this over while we're waiting for Daddy's lawyer to get back to us, and it's like Jesus Christ, the white yeah, no, privilege is strong characters. with this movie. Which is which we're is very. why I love the Winklevi character because like. On one hand, like, yes, Zuckerberg, in the movie, Zuckerberg stole their idea. He screwed them over. On the other hand, they're pretentious assholes um, who, who, who just have a in-house lawyer. I love the small detail here. When, the, when they're inside the, uh, the, these lawyer scenes around the table, the lawyer refers to the, the one brother as Ty instead of Tyler. Like, immediately you know, yeah, th- this guy's a family friend. He's a friend of daddy's. Like, the scene where they go meet with the president, you want to punch both of them in the face. They're the, oh, they're the yeah. worst. It, and I, I love how he makes... But he also just makes them entertaining in a weird way. It's so great. Again, I've said this before, and when we've talked about this before, Matt, this, this was the role that Army Hammer was born for. He was not born to play the Lawrence oh. Olivier role in Rebecca coming out <clears throat> this month on fucking Netflix. He's born to play the Winklevi twins. This just like perfectly encapsulates what you would expect from Army Hammer. And I'm not to say that not to say that he's not good in Call Me By Your Name. He is good in that movie and I'm I hope he'll be good in Rebecca even though that movie looks absolutely atrocious. Um but you know he this again, he is perfect for this role. We'll get into it, but this is like Literally almost every main actor in this movie, I think this is probably their best performance of their career, including Army Hammer. He, he's another one of those characters that I was like, yep, I've seen him. I've seen him yeah. around. I know yeah. I know that guy. Um, he's, that he's got guy. a great, like, hunky aloofness to him yeah. where it's like, yeah, you're kind of just a Ken doll. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, he is a great actor, but he's got this kind of, like, he can play that role very well. So yeah. this, is, this is, might be a stupid question, but how did they do him being two people? It looks uh, good. It looks it great. Does. It looks yeah. very good. I can good. never, I've never noticed an issue. Yeah. So basically what they did was they had Josh Pence sit, like be the body double with ping pong balls on his face or whatever, you know, um, for the scenes where he was playing the one brother. I actually forget which brother is played by which actor. Um, but then they would run the scene back again and they would have army hammer be the other brother so they would run the scene twice and then composite army hammer's face onto josh pence's gotcha. face yeah oh, like it, it was very well done i never noticed chronicles. an issue it, yeah, it's, no. it's weird coming from ben button to this you know the the, the, the difference <laughs> in CGI Butts. and how well how well fincher does it um i and they do some like neat tricks where it's like ah this one brother will have like a hat and sunglasses on which is like maybe that's probably like the josh pence guy you know and, like just different things like or he'll yeah, be out of frame true. here but like whenever yeah. whenever they do something like this with twins in a movie i think i think this is the reaction from basically anyone who watches that it's always like i'm looking for for the seams i'm, I'm looking for the flaws yeah. and i look for the flaws every time and it i can't find it like, like it looks really good well and that's because they're not in the same shot very often mm-hmm. you know Fincher, Fincher is a, as we talked about, Fincher is a very particular director. He knew how he could frame these scenes to not have uh, Josh Pence's face in a lot of shots, to have it clear that both of them are supposed to be in the shot, a lot of over the shoulders, a lot of low angle shots where you're not going to see Pence's face. You can just put, because they have a similar body type, you can just put Pence in the corner, shoot over his shoulder, and then have both shot, reverse shot, be army hammer. And um, when, when they do need to have them in the same shot at the same time, which is occasional, uh, especially in that uh, that scene with Larry Summers, you know, you know they, they did a very good job of it. And I think that, like I said, um, performance is very good. But also, yeah, CGI is very good. One other small couple couple small details that 
I want to get into before we get into the whole rest of the movie that I just, I love about this movie, and it's not something that you would think about for this movie. I love the production design, and I love the costume design. It is so easy to overlook those two aspects of these kind of movies. Uh, I, I think an amazing detail that they keep coming back to with costume design is always having Zuckerberg wearing these Adidas slides. Yeah. Like, he never takes anything seriously. Like, even in the de- in the, the scene with the Harvard board, he's wearing slides. They very make sure, make that clear. Even in the scene, like, uh, because I would just, like, I've seen this movie so many times, I'm just looking for details at this point, and I'm so happy that even on this viewing, I was catching new details of this movie. Even when he's going to the bathroom with the girl, he's wearing the slides. Yeah. Like, he is always in this just... He he is never put together fully in terms of his fashion, in terms of anything. Even when he brings up fashion, it's such a weird thing. Like, you're bringing up fashion. Like, they even call it out in the movie. Like, those kind of things are so good. And then comparing that with Eduardo, who is always dressed to the nines, you know, always looking good. Uh, it, it's just, it's fantastic there. And then they also, I feel like they capture um, Harvard very well. I've never been to Harvard, but I feel like I know Harvard now just right. by watching this movie. And it feels like a college. Like, I think that more than anything else... I don't know if it feels like Harvard, but it feels like a college. So I think in terms of the production design and the in the costume design, I think they absolutely nail it in this movie, and it's not something that you would typically think to bring up. Right, because it feels like a college movie at times. Like the, it feels the scenes lived with the in, chicken, really. The, the scenes of them like goofing around in the dorms. It just it, it it feels like this prestige, like ridiculously high budget college movie with this amazing writing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I and I love. Just getting back to that that scene at the the board of Harvard, I just think that's just such an amazing performance in terms of an individual scene by Eisenberg when he stands up and he t- takes that pause and then says, "As for this board, I think I deserve some recognition." And and the way he plays off of the guy who's like the head of IT for Harvard, those two just play off each other so well. And it, it, again, real it that feels like a real moment. Yeah, absolutely love it. Um, yeah, so so let's get into this uh, this email ghosting sequence that we were talking about because that's kind of the next the next round after we see the light, um, and it's it's just so well. Again, it's it's very similar to the face mash scene. They do these kind of sequences a few times throughout the movie, but again, it's just it's so good. Sorkin again does such a good job of just dropping information on you without it ever feeling like exposition. I feel like mm-hmm. there was a lot of times in this podcast where I feel like. I say, like, God, why do you have to dump this exposition on me all the time? This movie is constantly dumping exposition on you, but it never feels like it's dumping exposition on you because of the pace and because of because you're so drawn into the characters in the story that, yes, you're getting dumped with information, but you are enjoying it while it's happening. And you manage to keep up. They, get, they, they make mm-hmm. it easy enough to follow along and know what's happening. You're enjoying yeah, getting dumped absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think this is the point where we start to get a lot more Andrew Garfield. Um, as as Eduardo Saffron, and which I can appreciate, which I I gotta say, I mean, like I said this already, Andrew Garfield steals this movie. Like, well, really? like the last twenty minutes, yeah, he's great. Are, are he's like great. the best of Andrew Garfield, but I feel like Andrew Garfield at all times is who I'm paying attention to on screen. I, I Jesse Eisenberg is fantastic, but I, but this is Andrew Garfield's best performance of his career. His best, he's the best performance in this movie, and I would say, as we get later in the movie, when he gets some really meaty scenes to chew on, this is probably, that, that, that and J.K. Simmons and Whiplash are my two choices probably for supporting actor of the last decade. Like, he is, to me, that good in this movie. He's brilliant, and he, he gets to play, like, the, the emotional foil to Eisenberg, who's just so stone-cold, and they really, you're right, they give him some really meaty scenes, like, there are points where, like, he seems like he is on the verge of sobbing, 
and like you 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 understand like okay you're friends you're you're friends with Mark Zuckerberg but you can just see how how he gets sucked into it and how he manipulates him for his money basically and it, mm-hmm. it, it you can see the downfall because we're we're flashing forward we know how it went we know that this friendship is over I love the scene um where 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 the lawyer is talking about he brings up the chicken incident the animal abuse and he's like ah no you're right like his friend he defended you and then they both say like oops to each other it's just like a mm-hmm. brilliant moment of writing yeah and if if anyone has a friend that is a little more closed off in terms of just like talking the way that that uh zuckerberg is in this movie it feels very like real like like there are just some people that just don't talk very much and when they do it's very business like you know it's just you know they're just going about their day and there's nothing particularly wrong with that but just i think again with that dynamic i think they nail it and and yeah like i said like yeah it's definitely the flashier role while yes uh zuckerberg is the you know the billionaire that is you know the the top of everyone's you know uh name recognition i I think garfield did get yeah he he got the meteor role and i mean this probably led to him blowing up as being spider-man and stuff like that but um R.I.P. That movie franchise, uh, but yeah, no, just not but maybe not uh, Electro yeah. though. Tom yeah, Holland I don't. Is the better Spider-Man anyway? I I agree with that. I do think Andrew Garfield's a better actor, but yeah. Oh, I, think um, I mean, yeah, but like hot take. Tom Holland. Yeah, uh, that's not a hot take. Tom Holland is a very good actor, and I loved him in The Devil all the time. He's, but he's, he's a great Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield is a better Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I we don't need to get into that debate right now. Devil but, all the um, time debate. <laughs> yes. Um, but another moment that I just wanted to bring up that I love in this in this sequence is right after that email sequence, when uh, when Divya says like you stole her goddamn idea and stuff like that, the way that Eisenberg is so calm throughout the whole movie, and then he snaps on a dime and just says like, like just immediately attacks Divya after he gets a little provoked. You can see the petulance in Zuckerberg, and you can see how as soon as you pry him a little bit, just in the right way, you hit the right words. He will snap at you like a dog, and I think that Eisenberg, yeah, exactly. He does he does it much better in this movie than he does in BBS. But um, but I think you can see those those little moments, and that's really where Eisenberg gets to shine. You know these these little moments where he does get to let the emotion out. It the movie just as a whole, the pace of the film, it's like okay, we've got this this kind of this beginning. Everything's fast paced in this movie. It just it just kind of oscillates between slower paced and slower faster pace and faster fast pace so the beginning is like slower and then we get into this like really fast pace with him writing the code and everything then it slows down then it picks back up with the emails and the score kicks in once again and then it slows back down it's just like this beautiful lulling effect it just sucks you in and and one of the best scenes that i just i love so much in this movie is is when he goes to the uh the the frat party and he pulls them outside and they just have this it's again a quiet scene but it it says so much about mark as a person in this movie and and just the end of it when he's like he just stands there and then he just walks away like like sitting with the character knowing what he's contemplating in his mind and again of a movie so full of dialogue sorkin still finds moments to let the character, like, let the actors and then Fincher, in in turn, let that breathe, just with silence, and knowing what the character's thinking, because he communicates his characters so well in this movie. Um, yeah. If I have there... the the tiniest of gripe with with this movie, it's that in this scene, it's, like, very clear that they CGI'd their, 
their breath because it's like a, it's a cold day or whatever. <laughs> and, I, and I always just think that it's like a little obvious, but that's just the tiniest nitpick. <laughs> I never even noticed that. I don't think it looks, I mean, I've, yeah, I don't think it looks bad. It, 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 it's the tiniest thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so another, another scene that I want to talk about is when he actually launches Facebook for the first time, you know, after a while, you know, get, we get that whole development of, of Facebook. What do what do you guys take this as? Because I have never I I've watched the, I saw this movie for the first time when I was eleven when I wouldn't have been able to like process this. Did he come Wait. when he launched it? What? Just that face because Eduardo says, "Are you praying?" and he's just kind of looking like like his eyes closed, like like kind of like swaying a little bit. Like I don't know what he was trying to say that he was doing there but now on this view and i'm like did he did he like i didn't read it that way i don't know why he would have i don't what was it then i because, thought he was like, just I don't so think... tired that he was just like oh god finally was yeah. it tiredness I I thought, I see, i've never read it that way because i never i never read that zuckerberg got tired if you know what i'm saying i like, don't think that he if, if this is what you're asking i don't think that he Published Facebook and then ejaculated spontaneously. <laughs> I mean, like, would we put it past Zuckerberg though? I I wouldn't. Yes, I would. I would put that past anyone. I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past this character in this movie. Yeah, is what I'm saying. I wouldn't put it past it happening in this film. I don't think that's what happened though. Well, and the only reason that my mind went there on this viewing because like this, I was writing notes, uh, pretty extensive notes on this movie, and really trying to pay attention to like the nuances. Like I said, like. But everything, the, the whole reason that he's doing Facebook in this movie, the whole reason that he makes it, the whole reason that he expands it, is kind of sexual. Because he talks about, like, wanting the respect, but it's it's not even just respect of other men, it's the respect of, of Erica and, and women. And, like, there there's that one interaction between Eduardo and Zuckerberg where he's like, and yeah, it's, it's cool and it'll, you know, it'll get us laid. And he's like, yeah, it'll get a girl. Like, those kind of things. Like, it, it, it constantly kind of comes back to this idea of getting laid. Yeah, but um, I so don't, that's why I don't think it, that he publishes kinda... Facebook and then just immediately just shoots his goo. I mean, we don't know what Jesse Eisenberg's vinegar strokes look like. We don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a reference to the league right there. Great TV show. You should watch it. Well, um, glad we talked that one out. Yeah, was... we, we got it. We got it there. That's um, what we do here. That's what we, we do here. Death. We don't we don't hold anything back. It was longer um, than our haunted mansion review, just talking about the coming. Jesus yep, Christ. Yep, <laughs> eighty minutes of of that. Um, whether like, or not Jesse Eisenberg came. Adam Sandler um, and Uncut Gems. Yep. Is what I thought. <laughs> um, but another another small scene that I want to point out that I just love is when Divya finds out about Facebook uh, at the acapella concert, yeah. and that. That dude's performance yeah. there is just so good. The way he like he's like, shit, this isn't my laptop, and he puts it back down, and then he trips over the chair. Just so good. <laughs> Laptops are really just comedy. abused in this movie. There's laptop yeah. abuse. I know they had they had the animal abuse thing at the end. No animals were harmed during the making, but laptops get fucking smashed around. A lot of laptops were harmed in the making of this yeah. movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I guess crazy. When you when you feed a laptop a CD, is that laptop abuse? 
I guess. According to the it's, it's self cannibalism. Yeah, <laughs> and, and also like, if you think about how many takes uh, the first scene took, and think about how many takes probably the uh, the last scene where or one of the last scenes where uh, Eduardo slams the laptop, just how many just fucking laptops they just rotated through doing like sixty five takes of that scene. Yeah, um, I mean that's yeah. why. Fincher CGI'd the blood in the beginning of Zodiac because he did it a gazillion times, so he didn't want to yeah. clean it up every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's smart. <laughs> yeah, it's, if it works, I guess go for it. Um, I, I wanted to bring up uh, one scene with with the Winklevi when Divya goes back to their rowing area and, and he tells them, tells them like what happened. I, I, I wonder if, Logan and Brendan, you had a similar reaction the first time. But I remember the first time the Winklevi really threw me off one because i wasn't expecting army hammer to play two people and and they are just like very they're very goofy it's very exaggerated one line i brought up off mic was the i'm six five two twenty and there's two of me i, I love I, that line i though. love that line but the like i just i was not expecting that at all and, and now i think it works perfectly for a movie about a college nerd who runs around in the snow in his sandals and founds facebook it's a very outsized movie, but I remember the first time I was like, the Winklevi? Like, this is a little silly for me. I don't know if you had similar reactions. Yeah, they're kind of silly characters. Um, I, I'm, I'd be curious to see what they're like in real life, just because I, I do wonder, like, oh, you know, Ryan, you said that a lot of this movie was, like, uh, dramatized. Um, but, like, are they actually that kind of, like, I don't know, goofy? in real life or was it just to make them seem like intimidating i mean they did as i mentioned in the movie they did pull a 3-9 gpa at harvard like and are olympic athletes so like i'm assuming they're a little That's more possible. impressive as people yeah. in real life they, yeah but, i mean you're right matt they they seem pretty outlandish they're over the top but also like that's kind of like you meet a lot of over the top people at college they're yeah but yeah i i felt like they were they were believable and you know it's like kind of like what we talked about with Sorkin's writing. Like it's believable, but it is scaled way up, and to the point where it's just it is a thrill to watch. I the scene that I always think of when I think of the Winklevoss twins, or whenever I think of the Winklevoss twins, I know they're not always, but I always envision them just eating breakfast in that scene. You know what I'm saying at the at the hall, just having a cup of co- like black with, coffee with the towel around the collar, with the yeah. towel around the collar, just pounding like an English muffin and like half a dozen eggs and some fruit. I feel like that is just the entirety of their character in terms of the way they 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 portray uh, them on screen. I feel like they are always eating even though I think they only eat in that scene and that they are just like these big muscly idiots even though they are uh, Harvard grads with well, like uh, side note, rowers or uh, Olympic medals. Rowers have to eat like an absurd amount of food. Like they yeah, are, they sense. are constantly eating in real life. Yeah, so that's why. Damn, I should yeah. be a rower. I guess I just they have to eat yeah. like thousands and thousands of calories a day. Like it is, yeah. it's actually absurd. They yeah. still lost in the UK. Yeah, Those get fucked, Winklevi. Get fucked, Winklevi. They probably <laughs> do regularly. Um, but. Next, moving on, uh, when they list off all those uh, uh, different things that different people that were at Harvard at the time. By the way, just so you know, that one actress it was uh, Natalie Portman. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, Fincher like even hit up Natalie Portman and was like, "Hey, like, what information could you give me about Zuckerberg?" And she was talking to him about like what it was like back then, which is kind yeah. of awesome. Which is weird that she was a celebrity while she was going to college like she was going to college at harvard probably while they were making the star wars movies if she was there at that time 
Like, that's weird. Natalie Portman is super smart. Like, I know. Oh, she, she's in, it's insane. She's great. I mean, love her. She graduated from Harvard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Obviously, pretty um, dumb. If she went to Harvard. Honestly, yeah, pretty pretty stupid. Um, pretty but uh, I my next two notes are just Bill Gates exclamation point and then Brenda Song exclamation point. Yeah, and if what? if if you're not a I guess Gen Zer or a little bit older, you probably don't know who Brenda Song is. But for everyone in our generation who grew up on Disney Channel, Brenda Song from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, it is such a different role for her here. Yeah. Uh, so weird. Like, like, I'm pretty sure I saw this movie while I was still, like, getting out of the Disney Channel phase in my childhood. So to, like, I have this written down in my notes, too. I saw this for the first time when I was 11. And this was probably the first time I ever got introduced to the idea of a blowjob. Like, to, to get that... <laughs> That contrast of, like, Disney Channel to Brenda Song doing something. I don't know what she's exactly going to do there. But, um, as slow, obviously, as I watched this movie as I got older, I'm like, oh, that's what that was. But, yeah, it was... this. I mean, this had to have been one of the first times where I'd ever gotten that. And to be 11 years old watching... 11-year-old me, I'd love to interview 11-year-old me after watching this movie for the first time. What do but, you think happened? She kissed his legs, probably. Yeah, Probably. totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, she I, kissed his she kissed his belly button. A gentle leg kiss. <laughs> I I think that yeah, I thought that scene was very funny. I didn't understand why the music was so serious. It's like yeah. the most intense thing I've ever heard. It's like, when they're making out? Yeah, like when they're both in the bathroom together and then when they're uh-huh. outside the bathroom it continues. I was like, what is going on? There was also a scene where they're just like coding something uh-huh. and it's like this like it was like the slow like heartfelt scene. I want to call it like bruises something hands over bruises or something like that hand covers bruise i think yeah and it's what, like what scene are you talking about i don't know some code where some scene where they were just like coding and mm. i don't know those were two times when i i just felt like it didn't really fit but you know yeah whatever. but and again little moments like this is where like garfield shows the different like aspects of his character like when he's standing outside the bathroom and he's like some girls are in there freshening up and you just see the, him crack this smile like it's just a different, it's yeah. not the whole serious side of him all the time. He's not having to be this, like, asshole. And, like, and again, to directly contrast in the same shot, Zuckerberg, who is just sitting there stoically no matter, like, what just happened, you know? It, it again, it, it, it completely shows them as a dichotomy in terms of characters. Yeah, and, and what follows is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yes. Which is, uh, whenever Rooney Mara is on screen in this movie, it's absolutely brilliant. And which I know is we'll be only talking about her three we'll times, talk- yeah. right? And, yes, and we'll be talking about and seeing her a lot more next week with mm-hmm. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She's so good in that movie, which too. I haven't seen. But this scene is amazing. I want to get into this because one of the things, like when, so this movie was on my, my best of the decade list. And one of the things that me and Floyd talked about when we did that podcast was categorizing that list, not necessarily in terms of like, okay, what film is like the best, the best, the best, but what films will be remembered from this decade? And what films kind of come to define this decade. And the fact that Rooney Mara utters a line. She says, the internet's not written in pencil mark. It's written in ink. In 2010, the foresight to write that. Like, that is such a prescient line. It's insane. Yeah, yeah before Donald at one Trump point, became president. Yeah. Yeah, and she even says at one point, like, that's how the the angry, like, you spew out their bullshit from their basements or something like that. Like, that, that is what we're living in today. Identifying incel culture before it even was a thing. Yeah. It's insane. No, absolutely. And, and she is so good in this scene when, like, 
I know that you're supposed to be, like, somewhat sympathizing for Mark, but I don't know. I feel like at the same time, it's just, like, everyone in the audience is just like, yeah, fuck you, Mark. Go away. And then that moment where, where, uh, where Eduardo is like, oh, that's good. You did the right thing. You apologized, right? And just him not even acknowledging that and saying we need to expand. It's just, like, he is going full Lex Luthor at that point. Again, this was the moment I said, like, this is where, like, uh, WB was like, we need him for, for, uh, for Luthor. Um... But yeah, no, it's it's so it's it's such a great scene, and and Rudy Mar is just fantastic. Like it gives me chills. Like it just mm-hmm. that is such a powerful line. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and when she yeah when she snaps back, it's just it's so good. Uh, and then the scene afterwards, where again little dropped things, where um he's rattling off what he wants the next schools to be, and he includes BU, and they say, why do you want BU? And he says, just do it. You know that that's because he wants Erica to see a, a newspaper article about him. Like, yep. it's just these little things that shows how petty of a person he is in this film, but also just, again, how detailed uh, Sorkin in his, is in his writing, and, and every word has a, a meaning in some way. And moving on to the next, basically, the, the last half of the film where we get introduced to Justin Timberlake and JC. also Dakota Johnson, um, who's, you know, blown up since then. But uh, one scene of Dakota Johnson and Justin Timberlake. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think of Sean Parker? Justin Timberlake as Sean Parker. I was, I, I'm, when I was watching the movie, I messaged the group chat for this podcast and I was just like, why is Justin Timberlake in this movie? <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining, but I was just confused. I didn't know that he, I I didn't know he was in it, and so I was just like, "Oh, cool, JT's here." I thought he was an and he's so character. good. Yeah, yeah, he does a good job. Yeah, I, I remember liking his performance while I was watching it, but honestly, I sort of forgot that he was a part of the movie until you just said that. Wow. I feel like he's not. I don't know. He just he he didn't stick with me that much. He's entertaining to watch. Um, I don't know. I I wouldn't say his performance was anything special, but yeah, certainly wouldn't say that it was bad. It's not anything so charismatic. Fight over, but yeah, well, didn't really stick out. I I I love when directors play with a celebrity's star power. In influence with their character, I you know example the weekend and uncut gems, Adam Levine and Begin Again, like like he 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 plays like you know obviously I don't know JT in real life, but like I'm hoping he's not like some paranoid drug addict. But, like, you know, he, he plays on this idea of, like, he is a massive celebrity who was once a child star and now he blew up. And, and he uses that to such great effect. Like, I think this performance in this movie is way different if you have some other actor. You know, not, not JT in that role. It completely changes it. Um, I think he is one of the most memorable parts of this movie. A lot of his scenes are my favorite scenes. Uh, one line in particular from this Dakota Johnson scene. This is just like gives you a hint of like, yeah, this guy's kind of a psycho. When, when she goes in the shower and he goes, "There's a snake in here, Amy." Yeah, it's just like, what? It's an like, iconic are you, line. Are you okay? Like it, it's so great. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's an iconic line. And and Timberlake in this scene, like he he gets introed as the typical JT character that you had assumed him to be, like super sexy laying on the bed with this sexy college girl getting off and being super charismatic. Oh, you know, uh, all these things quipping at her, like all the things that he remembered from the night you before. on Sean Parker. Yeah, like all these quips. And then uh, to eventually get to the last scene where it's just a complete deconstruction of that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really well done. Um, and, and I think it, Timberlake is fantastic in this movie. 
And and props to Fincher for finding these actors and hitting these actors before they take off. You know, uh, Mahershala Ali in, in the last mm-hmm. movie, Taraji mm-hmm. P. Henson in, in the last movie, and then you know Dakota Johnson here. Brad Pitt. I mean, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Wrinkly baby. Never mind. He took this Never unknown mind. name Probably. of Brad Pitt and just decided <laughs> yeah. to take a chance. Well, Made a even, wrinkly baby out of some unknown actor named Brad Pitt. Even like you know, taking actors who are already established, like Jake Gyllenhaal, but then like mm-hmm. esta- uh, establishing them, and even or, or helping Downey Jr. get back on track. Exactly. Yeah. That was before Iron Man, and even before Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. This was, I mean, that was a, that was, but you no, know, he was playing Iron Man in that movie before he was Iron Man. But that's a whole other conversation, which we had. Oh, he's back. Okay, cool. God, I love Iron Man. You keep... I, Iron Man is so great. Oopie. RDJ is so great. Go back and listen to that podcast. Not Iron Man, Zodiac. Um, <laughs> go back and listen to our Iron Man podcast. <laughs> go back and please look go try to it. find our Iron Man podcast. <laughs> if an Iron Man podcast suddenly just appeared on our feed. That'd be so weird. Um, but uh, one, one scene that happened after this that we talked about with Larry Summers, I just had to point out this line because I found it in my in my notes and I just I love it so much. When when they're having the back and when the Winklevoss are having the back and forth with Summers, and they they say, uh, I forget exactly what they say to him, or like like I don't think that you're fully recognizing the weight of this, and he says I'm devastated by that. <laughs> I just it is such an amazing condescension of of that of those characters. It just it felt so like we use this term every podcast cathartic to watch. Like oh my god, these annoying pricks, and then finally someone just talks down to them so entirely. It's so great. Or, or he turns to the lady beside him and he goes, Mary, punch me. <laughs> punch me in the face, yeah. It, it, he's brilliant in this movie. It's so great. So good. Oh, One scene, he's so good. They're two assholes. And, like, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't care whether Zuckerberg stole your idea at this point. Like, you're rich pricks. I don't care. And he's also the former treasury secretary. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this isn't just some dude. Like, this is the former treasury second secretary. Um be like steven mnuchin being the head of harvard like that but um but after that we get this uh this tour and again one of the one of the best cuts between the depositions and like the flashbacks flash forwards whatever you want to call it is when um edward says he was asleep for that tour and he goes i wasn't asleep and then he says correction i wish he had been asleep i I love and then that scene with sorkin when he makes the sound, he goes, what sound is that? Like, what, the, what is this, guys? I, I love, Sorkin is even funny in this movie. Yeah. Like, even, Sorkin is, like, Fincher even pulls a good performance out of Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> like, like, th- this scene is so good, and yeah, it's it's always fun when Sorkin cameos. And you feel so bad for Garfield, because, like, he's he's trying. And, and, and when he's in New York and Mark's in L.A., he's like, man, I've been riding subways 14 hours a day looking for fucking appetizers. Yeah. And, like, you just, like, you, you hate Mark in these scenes because he's willfully sabotaging him. It's yeah. for his ego-driven means. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the scene, then, when we actually get introduced to the dynamic between Zuckerberg and Parker, that, that dinner scene. Um, so, so many good things in that scene, like... The way Fincher will, it, it, he lets us sit in the in the in the beginning of the conversation where he knows he has tension with um, Eduardo and Parker, you know, saying like, "Oh, thanks, that was mine," like those kind of things. Like him, ass- Parker immediately going, ass- trying to assert his dominance over um, 
over Saverin by asking his girlfriend what she wants to drink and then ordering that for the entire table. Like, all these power dynamics, but at the same time, once he says, like, from that point on, it was a Shaunathon, and then cutting into the, uh, the montage, just... You, again, at those moments, you didn't need to hear the dialogue. You knew what was being said, and you knew... It, it was so clear what was needed to be understood by the audience was that Zuckerberg was just completely taken by this character and that he was fully under Sean's wing at this point and that <clears throat> this was the end of the friendship almost like if there even was a friendship at any point uh, a real friendship at any point like this was the moment where where he completely became enamored with Sean and Sean's personality that he knew that like it was the beginning of the end and the score here too is brilliant. Mm-hmm. You've got this guitar just like bam, 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 like just raging. Um, it's it, it's absolutely brilliant. Yes, and I, I love the um, the moment at the end where he says, "I'm not a psychiatrist," but a psychiatrist would say he was paranoid. Like the way he, Garfield delivers that line, so good. Well, and the, um, there's the whole exchange about the marlin and the trout. Like mm-hmm. they're just like more than freaking like any movie there are so many iconic lines in this movie mm-hmm. and i and i i think this scene is also interest also interesting because i i read this summer i won't take credit for coming up with this or you know thinking and drawing this connection but parker says the line of how facebook is cool now you don't want to ruin the cool with advertisements and it's just like an interesting time capsule to like oh <laughs> facebook was cool back then like yeah back facebook when like myspace was cool. still a thing because so now it is decidedly now. not cool yeah, Facebook has gone to the opposite of cool. Yeah. But, no, yeah, absolutely true. And and when he says a billion dollars, I love the way that Fincher lets Timberlake dollars. hit that. Um, Iconic, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and then moving on, we get to the, the stuff with the chicken, which I think we can mostly go over, except the fact that I think in the story of the movie, I think Mark did plant the story. And I think that Mark did try to stop him in the deposition, because you, you can see him grab his arm to like try to stop him from from uh from saying it but i i do believe in the context of the movie that mark planted that story yeah i think that's a good assessment it's it's an interesting moment because garfield's like no i'm not gonna sue him for cheating on the test because that's not what friends do and but but then like eisenberg kind of bites back with the oops yeah it's a great moment where like they kind of try to reestablish some sort of frenzy friendly terms and then it's like no 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 it's fucking tense well i feel like that moment was meant to be because like that's not what friends do, was trying to say, like, you weren't a good friend to me. Yeah. Like, like you fucked me out of this company, and that's not something that a friend would have done. I feel like at that moment, it was him saying, like, I wouldn't do that because I was his friend, unlike what he did to me, because, like, you know, despite the fact that we are friends. So good. But then, we get to one of my probably top three favorite scenes in this movie. It's probably the Ugh. one at the end that we're going to talk about, this one and the beginning, and it is the strip club scene between just the sound editing and the sound mixing in this scene is so good because the music is so loud, it's so blaring, it's so overwhelming, yet at the same time, unlike a lot of Christopher Nolan's movies, you can still perfectly understand the dialogue. Like, there is there is no problem understanding the dialogue, and you just feel the atmosphere there the whole time. And, and the way that Sorkin writes Parker's character here where he says... Um, where, you know, he says, like, oh, where have I seen those girls you're with before? And then he goes into that whole thing about Victoria's Secret just to get back to the point that they're Victoria's Secret models. Like, just the the way that Sean thinks is so clearly laid out in this scene. But again, Timberlake is so good in this scene. 
and all he needs is just Eisenberg to sit there and nod, and Parker can just go, and I, I love it so, so much, when he says the line, when he says the line, like, in the water beneath the, the Golden Gate Bridge is ice cold, like, it's just, it is so good. Um, yeah, and and actually, I do believe that uh, Christopher Nolan did win the best uh, sound mixing for this year with Inception. Um, Great, which is interesting. Really? Yeah, I mean that makes sense, but yeah. this movie should have won. No, I I agree that this scene is uh, it it's it's got good mixing, and yeah, I I like bringing it back to um, Victoria's Secret because they uh, I I agree that whole story is and, and Mark's like was that a parable and it totally was. Um, yeah, but I I love bringing it back to that because towards the beginning of the movie when he's writing that blog post he goes like she's really a b but she looks like a c because of her like help from her her friends over at victoria that's right that's where the victoria yeah Yeah. and it's a very clever very clever line because he's not necessarily using it as the company's name there like he is but it it is taken on a larger context and a lot like how facebook just started as like the company and then you know by the end of this movie people or by like even the midpoint of this movie people are saying like hey facebook me like Mm-hmm. The fact that Victoria's no Secret has, like, he tells the whole origin story Bro, of Victoria's Facebook Secret, me. and it's like, this is how the company got started, this was the name, and then, like, the fact that at the beginning, we saw him just use it very casually, like, it's just very ubiquitous name now, and Facebook has totally become the same way. I love that mm-hmm. parallel. And I would, I would just like to point out, it'd be a very dark movie, but I would, I'd be okay with watching a movie about the, that guy that killed himself, cool. that started Victoria's Secret. Um, Maybe one, one of the off. small things from this scene, I mean, obviously, again, the, the sound mixing, the production design, all of it, the performances, it's fantastic. So many great lines. I, I do think that at the same time that Sean Parker in this scene is at least somewhat right about Eduardo. Now, we come to learn that Eduardo is doing these things in New York, but it's still at the same time in terms of perception and the way that Parker is supposed to be this devil on Mark's shoulder. Like the reason why it works is because he is right in a lot of ways. Like he is like, you need to keep this company cool. You should not sell. You should keep, you know, keep your investment in this company. Cause this is going to be worth a lot of money. And why the hell isn't Eduardo here? Like, so, like he, he had to say some true things to be able to like fully keep Mark on his wavelength. And he does here. You're right, and I think it's making a bigger commentary about Wall Street, big business in general. That like, yeah, you have to be like a literal asshole to win, and like, right, like, like you, you have to like these people are cutting corners, and this is the only way that the system, you know, this the system thrives on corruption, basically, which I think is interesting. One really amazing moment from this scene I always remember, um, a really rare moment of vulnerability. The music is blaring. You can tell like Mark is feeling comfortable and like. Strangely, in the loudness of the situation, which I think he kind of feels like, okay, Sean's probably a little bit drunk. They're probably a little bit drunk. He lets this slip out. And he goes, Sean, do you ever think about the girl from high school? Because Sean Sean brings up that story about why he founded Napster or whatever. And that is such an amazing moment of vulnerability. Because that is Mark being like, yeah, I still think about her and I'm like insecure about that. Like, like that is an amazing moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And again, these little moments that just let you into Zuckerberg's psyche as a character. So good, so good. Um, and then that music transition to the uh, whatever that classical song is on the the Thames race. It is just so the good. Thames, the the Thames. Um, yes, in the, 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 the Hall of the Mountain Sorry. King, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, see, I was like, I, I know that this so. is an iconic piece that I should know yeah. I, the I title just of, didn't but I don't. If that was the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like 
it, it's performed. It's like arranged and performed by uh, Reznor and Ross, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. and a, and a great sequence too. Yeah, good sequence. It, it's super wacky. It kind of like comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "What the fuck is happening?" But it, it's just it's perfect. Like it feels just like operatic. Yeah, and it and it fits with kind of the tone of the characters. Like they're always, yeah. no matter how hard they try, they're just that little bit behind the competition. You know, so good. Um, so yeah, that that's this next scene. Then when we're out in Palo Alto, uh, Parker in, inundates himself back into the uh, the Facebook scene, and Eduardo comes and visits. And just that moment when it's pouring, Eduardo is. Right when Parker opens the door, Eduardo turns around and he's just soaked. He's upset. He, again, he does probably the wrong thing here. He probably shouldn't have d- cut off the account. But you're entirely sympathizing with him because he constantly feels like he's getting fucked over by Mark and Sean. That everything that happens here in this scene makes sense. He goes, Jesus Christ, Mark, no, I told you I quit on my first day of my internship. You know this. Like, I told you this. Like, all these kind of things where you can see the frustration and understand why Eduardo does what he does. Definitely. It's it's so great, and I love even before this when when Parker comes and you get that iconic moment of, of Mark being so nervous that he throws the two bottles at him and it crashes in the wall. Like it's just th- these little things that are so brilliant. I love the little touch of don't talk to him. He's wired in. You know, like, mm-hmm. like these guys are just like he's he was on a thirty hour coding bend. Like it's just like these absolute ridiculous nerds. Fucking nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love Bro, it. Bro, I went on a total coding bed. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, I, after this, though, we do get the, our last scene with Brenda Song, who completely goes full psycho. Brenda. Um, this scene is so funny. <laughs> so good. It's so good. It's like, yeah, and that's a very normal... Th- I thought that was a very normal thing for someone to do about the 47 texts. I love that line. <laughs> um, and then when they're having the phone call, like you said, as, as she's Clean lighting already? it on fire... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then that line, Brendan, are you leaving again? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and just, I'm breaking up with you. It just like metaphorically, it's great because it's like, yeah, like your bed is literally on fire. Your your life is ruined, and yet you're still clinging on to Mark. You're still on the phone with Mark. You're, you're like, you, you won't let go. You won't realize that this man is lecherous. I feel like we should point out still at the same time that Eduardo Saverin is a billionaire right now. I think he has somewhere between two and six billion dollars, so he's still he's chilling. He's fine. He's, he's, he's fine. fine. But in terms of the he's character, chilling. I just want to point that out. That in real life, Eduardo's fine. But in terms of, as I said, this is a movie, this is a drama. Yes. He's married now, I believe. Good for him. But yeah, the character um, is, yeah. is very sympathetic, definitely. Yeah, no, it's completely. And in that line when... when um. Oh God! I think it. I think it's back in the. Uh, I don't think it's on the phone call. I think it's back when he's in Palo Alto and he, they, he's like, and I'm frightened of her. And then Mark Zuckerberg goes, "Yeah, but it's still nice that you have a girlfriend." Like I just, I love that interaction. It's it, it again. It, it's so Mark. It's so like Mark's Mark's mindset is just all about women. And again, that for all things that you can say about Mark Zuckerberg, this is one of the most inaccurate things about this story. He had a girl, his girlfriend, who turned into his wife throughout the entirety of his creation of facebook um so so that i'll just point out that that is a very much an inaccuracy about uh mark's motivation but it works dramatically as we said yeah and this is this is the this is where the movie really kicks it into like fourth gear it's it's booming towards the end this movie's two hours it feels like it's like an hour long doesn't it 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 goes by so fast i think it mostly does Um, yeah I sat down to watch it last night, and I was like, it was like 3 a.m. 
when I started it, and I was like, all right, like I'll just watch half of it. Then I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not leaving. Like I'm sucked in. There's no way. Yeah. And I want to talk about this movie. We've gotten to this point about it, and I this is not my original point. Other people have said this, but I think it's just so true that this is a Shakespearean drama. Like it's a this terrible is terrible time. It, it it is, and and in so many ways, the way that Shakespeare wrote, he would take his like he, like. It's a it's a very lofty thing to compare what Sorkin's doing to what Shakespeare did. Yeah, but he would take is it these, No, and, and but here's the thing though, he's doing exactly what Shakespeare did with his history plays, and his tragedies. He would take real life stories and completely change the historical accuracies to comment on modern times and to make a point. And and like and like Richard the Third, this very much feels like Richard the Third if you read that play. Um, yeah. In terms of the character, Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. in Hollow yes, that's a that's very a very good. good production of Richard the Third. Um, so it, it it feels very much in that in that vein of taking modern or very like Shakespeare would either take modern or very recent characters in his histories and and change them to be these characters to have these amazing dynamics together, and that is what Sorkin does here. He takes Edward Saver and he takes Mark Zuckerberg, these people that you know. And the this this company that you know, instead of you know being the crown, it's Facebook, which is kind of almost modern royalty. It's like it's what runs the world right now, the same way that the crown ran the world back then. Like it is such an amazing job by by Sorkin to literally, I think, write the closest thing that we've seen to Shakespeare since you know in in the modern film era. Sure. Like I said, it. It works so well as a time stone of the 2010s. Like, I just, I don't think there's any other movie that captures this decade. And it's written maybe, in 2000. Maybe Get Out, it, it, but that's yeah. it. And it's written in 2010, like at the start of the decade. And somehow he manages to predict the vibe of the decade. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. The line that goes, that Sean Parker says, we lived in farms, we lived in cities, and now we're going to live on the internet. Like, that is insane. That is it's an, true. It, yeah, it's true, and it's a especially right now. Driving. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, especially right now. Literally, everyone um, is living on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we are on Zoom right now. Yeah, um, Ugh. we are. But yeah, no, it's it's so true, and yeah, I just I love I love what you said there. It's so true. Um, moving towards the last couple scenes, I do love the scene where he's talking to the lawyers, and he was like. And they cut back to the deposition room, and they 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 don't show you the initial question reading. So it builds that suspense within the scene of like, what oh, what is what did they ask that was so controversial to the uh, to Zuckerberg's lawyer when he says, like, did did you realize you were signing your own death certificate? And then I think one of the best little lines in this scene, which is so good, when he goes, and on all, in all honestly, I thought they were my lawyers. You can feel that betrayal in his voice, can't you? Yeah. Like just at that moment, you can realize like. He was so completely bought into Mark as a person that he didn't even think of him double-crossing him. Well, and that, that little pain in his voice is so good. And also just, like, how scary it must be to be in his position. Like, he's just sort of bewildered. He's like, I, I, don't, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I thought these people were my lawyers. What are you talking about? Like, he is so... And, like, everyone in this movie, it's so, like, just playing in the big leagues when they, these are, like, college kids. Like, Zuckerberg in this movie is, like, our age, basically. Yeah. Which... Yeah, I, like I cannot imagine entering into a huge legal battle like this, and just it's wild. It's, it's really in. It's really incredible. Like, like, yeah. like Eduardo leaves to go back to do his first semester of his junior year. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm in my first semester of my junior year. Like it's so weird. 
the fuck um, are you doing, Floyd? I know. What am, what am I doing with my life? I think that all the time when I see, like, professional athletes, like, the fact that Tyler Harrow is starting in the finals, like, right now, and he's 20 years old, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm older than Zion Williamson. <laughs> Just, like, what am I doing with my life? Um, but then we get to the best scene in the movie. Probably one of my top three scenes of the decade. It is brilliant, and it is the it is the moment that should have won Andrew Garfield an Oscar when he busts out of that room and just storms to Mark, slams the laptop, and just starts screaming in his face. It is just oh man! And again, also another great moment where he's like when the lawyer is reading off the different uh, diluted shares, and he keeps saying it wasn't, it wasn't, and then point zero three percent. All of it. This is just where Andrew Garfield just just kicks it into another gear, and he is fantastic in these last few scenes yeah definitely love it he's great it's 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 absolutely insane um i love how we don't hear what the lawyer is telling him in that boardroom you know fincher knows like okay now is not the time to like wait out of the audience with like technical mumbo jumbo you just see his reaction from the back and you hear him in the flash forward and you like i don't know what the fucking diluted share is but i know that 0.03 is a lot less than what you know 34 yeah what 34 percent and it's such a powerful moment just like i i you're right i literally i watch this scene so often just like that that shot of him slamming open the doors you see the fluorescent lights above and he just mark and he yells out like that it's so powerful and and then jt goes nope nope he's wired in like it's just there's a perfect combination yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and then he says uh that line that we talked about we we almost did so many different lines from this scene for our cold open the my sorry my prod is at the cleaner like i just i love that line it's so good i love the line where he's like and i'm not coming back for 30 percent. i'm coming back for all of it when he says you better lawyer up asshole i just it is such an amazing performance by garfield it's so good and i see this i watch this scene at least three i enjoy this scene at least three to four times a day <laughs> um one other small thing that i only noticed on this viewing which had to have been a joke that um, Zuckerberg was wearing an Arm and Hammer T-shirt during this scene huh. underneath his North Face jacket. Yeah. That had to have been an in joke with Arm and Hammer, yeah. right? No, like, that's funny. there's no way that's an accident, right? There's no way. Yeah, definitely not um, an accident. No. Yeah, a fuck no. you to the Winkle guy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a subtle fuck you to the actor. <laughs> like, you're, hey, your name's stupid. Oh man. But the follow-up. Hey, Arm Hammer, your name's stupid. The follow-up to the scene is great because this happens, and then they hit one million um, mm-hmm. users, and it's like this bittersweet moment for Mark. And you, once we get like the, we get this little rare moment of vulnerability where he snaps back at Sean and he says, "You didn't have to be so hard on him, Sean." Mm-hmm. And like you know, there, there's there's some humanity behind those cold lizard eyes. <laughs> yeah, and there were some. Oh, this is the second time too that we've, or I guess third time, because he also slept with the the girl from Stanford. Um, her name was Amy, I think. Um, but yeah, the 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 intern Amanda. When we see again Parker being Ashley. super predatory, um, yeah. and a, a super gross character. Because we also talk about. I mean, I did mention in that scene, but another great line by Garfield. I love another great line delivery when he's like, "How old are they, Mark?" When he when he comes in and he doesn't answer, he knows, "No, how old are they, Mark?" Like continuously going after, you know, showing this juxtaposition between Sean Parker and uh, Eduardo Sabrin. But yeah, no, it's fantastic. And this last scene, 
uh, completely got JT unhinged. And it's it's probably my least favorite scene with Sean, but that's probably just because of all the other scenes of him are so good. But it's probably like my favorite scene. Or really? Not, not like my my. I think JT is at his best in this scene. I think his acting here is insane. Because once again, this feels like the last hour of Wolf of Wall Street. It is the consequences. It is we are at the party. Um, and, and Caleb, did you Caleb Landry Drones is is the guy with the cocaine? Did you see that? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. That was Caleb Landry Jones. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Wow, he like shows up in a bunch of stuff. He, That's he, not he's he's the little kid at the end of No Country for Old Men too. Um, really? Yeah, he's in a bunch. But um, I I I love how you know oh it's it's all the trappings of like a a, a college movie ah people were smoking oh he's hitting the bong oh they're playing the pong like it's just like all these these all these you know these little <laughs> moments they go upstairs and then like it gets dark all of a sudden where they're like suddenly about to do cocaine. And then the cops come in. And, mm-hmm. like, that moment when he shines like the flashlight on them. And they, and they all say that they're 21. Like, oh, my God. It's so good. It is very, yeah, it's very, like, over the top. It's like, mm, the things really happen like this. But, like, it's what very. What is the whole movie? It's great to, yeah. It, it's, like, so much fun to watch. And, honestly, like, I, I get a little bit of that of that catharsis. Like, watching Sean Parker, who is, like, clearly such a, like, he's such an immoral, like, person. And he's just like, nothing matters. Like, I'm rich. I can do whatever the fuck I want with whomever I want, no matter how young she is. And, like, Ugh. he's clearly... And he's not rich at this point. He's just an asshole at this point. Right. He's, like, just... He has, like, all of the the pompous uh, privilege of a rich person, except he's, he's like, not rich, apparently. At this I point. mean, he is rich now again in real life. Yeah. He is a billionaire again. But, bad. yeah. But, yeah, he's just, but, like, he's yeah. so, like, the rules don't apply to me at all. And then he completely gets caught with his pants down. It's great. Yeah. And then he, and, and, not literally, but. Um, yeah. And you needed this character to get knocked down a size for yeah, the end of this definitely. movie. You needed Zuckerberg to realize like, yeah. fuck, why did I, why did I screw over Eduardo for this guy? Like, And just finally, as an just, audience, we just, we need mm-hmm. to see Sean Parker go yeah, all, the, no, all the way us down. us and Zuckerberg. Yeah. Okay. Us and Zuckerberg needed to see it yeah. for the end of this movie to, to hit. Also, yeah, I mean, uh, the veil, the veil is pulled away at the end there where he's you know, using his, his asthma inhaler and the kid, it's a super close up on him. And he's like, Ooh, you wonder if Eduardo did it? You think he planted the cocaine? He must've been here. He's completely paranoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's completely yeah. delusional from reality. Yeah. Um, a, a quick little shot as they're, as we're entering the party scene at the end, um, there's a, there's a guy like outside the house playing guitar and what he's playing is actually matching up with the music that's playing. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, it reminded me of an earlier sound. moment in this film when there was like a violinist who was playing outside some building um, and it didn't match up with the music at all. It was just sort of like playing something totally different. Bad, non-diagenic And music. I was like, hmm, that seems like kind of a missed opportunity. And then they did it no. later. And then... No, I... Why it works so well in the first scene is because of that tension. Because it's when he's running home after the scene with his girlfriend. And then at the end here, like, I like how it's in sync because it lulls you into, like, oh, this is a college scene. This is fine. And then it smacks you over the head with consequences. I love how uncomfortable it makes me when he's playing that violin in the beginning. Yeah. That's just my take. Consequences. So so for me, it's one one thing, like, yeah, could have done that better. Could have, I don't know, put put a little more thought into it, maybe, like. I don't know. Make it line up. Not going to hold him against it too much. But then, like, one really good moment. So, like, net neutral, but I wanted to bring up sort of that difference because that, that kind of thing is is important because we know that he knows how to do it, but he doesn't always. So, I don't know. Um, one other note. 
the only time in this movie that the camera switches to handheld is for a couple shots here at the end party scene. When the cops bust in, we get a total shift in cinematography. And it's this handheld that follows Sean Parker as he walks out of the room where they're doing cocaine. Like, this is what I'm saying when Fincher is fucking intentional. That, like, only for two shots, two shots out of a whole two-hour movie, he's going to switch to handheld. Because this is the moment when consequences break in. And, he and when he's on drugs. Yes. And, and this is a, he does a completely similar thing with season one of Vinehunter, where only until the very last episode of season one does he switch it up. And it's, like, for one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen in television. It's like, Don't this is what I'm saying when he is so damn intentional and so attuned to detail that he will do this. Yeah, getting this little break break between Gone Girl and Mank will uh will let me hopefully watch a, a season the season of uh, Manhunter first season of Manhunter, um and also maybe we watch a little bit of House of Cards because he also created that show. Um, it created Netflix essentially. Basically, yeah. I mean, it makes sense why he's back in Netflix. He basically made them who they are. Um, Netflix owes everything to David Fincher. They should Literally. give him an yeah. unlimited paycheck in terms of uh, what he wants to do with a movie. <laughs> well, but this um, movie is on Netflix, Matt. Did you get that? Did you mm-hmm. pay for this movie? I, I did not pay for this movie. I did not repeat my mistake of Hunter <laughs> Good, good. You, you found the streaming service. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, the last the last scene I want to talk about here is the last scene of the movie, obviously. Uh, with Rashida Jones, who we haven't really brought up, but I think she's fine in this movie. Um, she doesn't... I, I, I say that uh, Garfield had a lot to chew on. She didn't really have anything to chew on in this movie. She did well um, for what she had. She did well. Yeah, she did well with what she was given. But I do like the line, um, creation myth, myths need a devil. I do have in my line next to it, though, that he might just be a devil, like Zuckerberg sucks. But, um, you know, she says it was a speeding ticket, both of these the, both of these cases in terms of money. It really was. Like, if you look at how much Zuckerberg's yeah. worth compared to how much he paid out, it really was nothing in terms of how much money he has. And um, I disagree. Um, he's an asshole in real life. He's an asshole in this movie. Um, I do think it undermines the movie just the, the tiniest bit of that kind of being the last... Uh, line of dialogue but then having him constantly go back to just refreshing that page over and over again of of friending erica i think tells the audience still at some point like he is still just this petulant child in some ways um so is there any thoughts here on this last scene absolutely um yeah so first off uh rashida jones uh norma norma's daughter Mm -hmm. uh shout out to back in style fans out there we love oh yeah yeah man once once you notice it, you'll never see Rashida, Rashida Jones in the same way. Because yep. yeah. they, they just have all the same idiosyncrasies. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, wow. I, 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 I hear yeah, what no, you're saying, Floyd, true. about... I, I hear what you're saying, Floyd, about her last line. It did surprise me the first time I saw the movie. I think, like, she kind of taps into something that's true. That's like, yes, he is an asshole, but a lot of it is just his ego, and he's inflating himself, and he, like tries to put on this like i'm a super nerd asshole ego guy but like at the same time he also is so i get it um and i think i just think this ending is absolutely brilliant where like i think great movies are able to do this where um they 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 start off with the micro and then they move to this 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 much bigger lens and we start talking about facebook in these broad terms as he gets very rich and then the movie ends on this micro lens and it's like no like this he founded all of Facebook, and this is what he thinks about at night. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it's just so brilliant. And and pairing uh, "Baby, You're a Rich Man" by the Beatles is just such oh, a great song. Br- a, a, just a brilliant choice of music. It's an absolutely iconic ending. Um, just a slow zoom in, and as you get the words over top of the screen, yeah, brilliant. And again, as a character, 
definitely obsessive over Erica. In real life, Erica's not even a real person, but... Um, but it works. For, but it works. Like, in terms yeah. of the movie, it completely works as a motivation for the character. Yep. So is there anything else within the social network that you guys want to bring up before we go into final thoughts and ratings? All right. I'm good. Then Brendan, final thoughts and ratings. Uh, gosh, what to say about this movie? Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this film. I think that, as I said before, it, it like it's a really good movie. And although it does have, you know, some problems and, and it, you know, can be kind of pretentious at times uh i i it held my interest and i did enjoy watching it i wasn't sure that i would uh when i was starting out honestly i i sat down and tried to watch excuse me uh i sat down and tried to watch it like the day before i ended up watching it and i was just like i like the opening sequence started and i was like i am just not in the headspace for this right now um but you know when it when it came down to it i was like i I don't know. I, I, I did actually enjoy this movie and I think that the writing is just really great. Um, I think Aaron Sorkin does a really awesome job and I think uh, some of the performances uh, are just exemplary. Like Andrew Garfield uh, definitely steals the show. Um, you know, it's it's just... Uh, I, I'm interested now in, in doing more research on uh, the inaccuracies, uh, but Floyd, I'm sure you can help me out with that. Uh, maybe if I had paid attention to your presentation back in uh, high school. <laughs> yeah, you would have <laughs> known. Know that by now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I didn't sleep instead. It's perfectly fair. No offense. No offense. None taken. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this movie. I, I thought it was pretty good. I'm going to give it a B+. Plus. Yes. Um, as I've talked about ad nausea in, in this podcast uh i love this movie i i first watched it actually this year for the best of the decade list surprisingly i hadn't seen it before and like i said kind of caught me off guard the first time i saw it wasn't really ready for i wasn't expecting the type of writing the type of dialogue that's in the movie i wasn't expecting the type of uh, portrayal of mark zuckerberg but Man, this is this has got to be one of the most rewatchable movies I've ever seen. It finishes and it's like I just oh, I just want to start it again. Like talking about it now, I just I literally just want to watch it again. There are some movies that are just like so good in this like very like in this just this tasty way. Like 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 there are bad things happening on screen. There are bad things. Ha- the characters are assholes, but like you love it and you can see the filmmaking craft in each and every scene. Um. It's, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's just, what to say about this movie? It's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. It's absolutely absurd that this movie lost to King's Speech for Best Picture, which is just so dumb. It also lost to Colin Firth for Best Actor. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, when you think back to 2010, no one thinks about the King's Speech. I know I certainly don't. Still never that, seen it, and don't really feel bad about it. It's it's good. It's a good movie, but it's like a good movie the same way that, uh, like like Lincoln's a good movie, <laughs> like like you know like I don't yeah. think about those movies at all. Like I don't I don't really care. Like that's not when I went back to do my best of the decade list. I wasn't thinking about the King speech because it doesn't speak ahead of the time that it's in. Like this movie is just so remarkably prescient as i said it's insane i gave this movie a four and a half 
on Letterbox. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. It's an A+. It's an A+. It makes sense that this is Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie of the decade because it's amazing and the dialogue bears so like a lot of similarities to his i think but yeah it's it's insane and it is a like definitively a movie for the ages wow yeah no uh this is a really solid movie all around um aaron sorkin i can't say enough about him he completely steals the show here um floyd i think you mentioned earlier his master class um there's no way I, I love that he's done that. I'm sure there's a lot of very valuable information there. But there's there's just no way that he can teach what he does. The way that he writes, it is just, it is so innate to him. Uh, and it's it's unique to him. And I feel like no one else possesses it. He's just always writing in hot lava. And it's amazing to watch and listen to. Uh, I'm just never really bored. He gets so many aspects of college right. And not like, not the ones that college movies always focus on. Like, oh, we're always partying all the time, and it's all about boobs and beer, dude. Like, Zuckerberg is, like, a real human character. Uh, he's unlikable at times. He's likable at times. He's nerdy and narcissistic, and uh, you just kind of, like, sometimes you want to punch him in the face, sometimes you want to give him a hug and be like, it's all right, buddy. He's It's so strange. I feel like all of these characters, even the very over-the-top ones, uh, the, the Winklevoss twins specifically. Like, those are real people, too. They're over-the-top, but they're real people. And and they're great performances pretty much all around. Uh, my issues basically manifest in how the score is used sometimes. I think it's good music. Here. I just, my I don't always disagree with, I, I don't always agree with the way that it's used. Just cut this some, some strange editing at times. It gives me a little benefit. whiplash at some points. But overall, this is, this is a solid film. It's enjoyable, and I, I, I'd, I'd watch it again. I'd watch it again at some point, because um, it's really, yeah, it's it's not a hard watch. I don't I don't think it really asks a lot of you. You, um, yeah, it's it it's easy to watch. I think, and it's and it's fun to watch, um, mostly, which is which is kind of rare, in my experience so far with Fincher. I've kind of been like, yeah, this is really good, but like, fun to watch. I don't know. I just think the writing keeps this this moving so well. Uh, so I'm gonna go with an A minus, just taking into taking into account all my all my some of my gripes with it. And but yeah, overall, very good movie. Yeah, I mean, you've listened to this podcast, so you know that I love this movie. Uh, it was my number six movie of the decade, and I feel like that might have even been too low. Um, it's basically a deadlock tie between this and seven for my favorite Fincher movie. Uh, my favorite Fincher movie probably is, like, whichever one of these two that I've watched most recently, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it's just whichever one is most fresh on my mind. Like, I, I love these two movies, basically similar. Um, Garfield delivers one of the best performances of the decade in this movie. is absolutely fantastic. Career Best by Eisenberg, Garfield, Timberlake, and Hammer. All of them are fantastic. Rooney Mara is amazing in a supporting role. Uh, like, like you guys said, uh, Sorkin is the standout. He's the star here. Um, but also, you got to give a lot of credit to David Fincher on this one. Like, being able to uh, to take an 180-page script and, like, actually complete the collaboration and make a really fantastic movie out of this script is not an easy task. You can't, you don't just make an Aaron Sorkin movie. Like, that is not something that just happens. Like, that's a lot of work. We've talked about it. He is so meticulous as a filmmaker. Having someone that is so meticulous as a filmmaker come together with someone that's so meticulous as a writer 
putting them together just it made this just incredible movie as you said matt like for the ages this is an all-timer type of movie um and I'm, i'm just so impressed by it every time that i see it and again i've been watching this movie almost for a decade at this point because i saw it first time when i was yeah i saw it for the first time when i was 11 so i've probably been watching this movie since it came out um and it's just insane like it was one of those movies it was one of those watershed movies you know i'm i think every film fan has this where like you you see it and you realize like oh this is what a good movie is and when i was 11 i think i watched this movie like three or four times in a week the first time i saw it like i just watched it so much because even back then you i just knew on a base monkey brain level like <laughs> that this is a good movie and that I need to like study this. And I did. And you're absolutely right, Logan, you can't teach Sorkin dialogue writing, but I mean, I, I've, I've actually listened to some of that class. It, it, there are some very helpful things that he says about it just in terms of craft and, and practice and those kind of things. But yeah, no, it's, it's an absolutely fantastic movie with some iconic lines, iconic scenes. The first scene, the freak out scene at the end with uh Saverin. the score is fantastic. That scene in the, in the dance club is amazing. Like, all around. I don't have a flaw with this movie. I literally don't have a flaw with this movie. This is absolutely an A plus for me. And there's, there's not even a question about it. So, um, real quick, I guess we can get into maybe the, uh, the idea of doing a sequel to this movie. Uh, how would you guys feel about a, a social network too? Would you want the same cast? What, how would you want that to look like? It could be interesting. You gotta have the same cast. Yeah. yeah, it could be interesting. I mean, I, I, the danger's always going to be like, there's always going to be more like 2020 isn't the end of it. So if they made it this Until year, there would Zuckerberg be something more. Dies. If they made it in 2025, there would be be like Richard Linklater. You can make one every 10 years. Oh, great. Be like Richard Linklater. Cause we need more be like Richard that. Linklater. He's amazing. That was sarcasm from me, but genuine. That was sentiment from Ryan. Absolutely genuine for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I'd want a sequel just be, also just cause I just, I, mean, I don't need another one, but also because I, I feel like, Fincher and Sorkin taking on 2020. It's it, that's just like it's what it, that's a, like the world is a lot different than what it was in 2010, and I just don't know how that would play out in a Fincher film. I just I, I wonder if it's almost I wonder if shit is too crazy right now. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like it, Social Network was so good because it predicted the craziness to follow. I don't know. It, it would be wacky. The the I mean we it does feel like we're living in the Twilight Zone right now, doesn't it? Like, it does. Things don't even surprise me anymore, honestly. Uh, yep. <clears throat> it was like, oh, Trump has COVID. Yeah. Good. Oh, you forgot that at the same time, like a couple, like there are so many things that we, I like even last night, or a couple nights ago. Um, I think it was a couple nights ago, or no, it was last night. Um, when we were, me and my roommate was watching the uh the debate, uh the vice presidential debate, and they brought up Iran, and I'm like. You know how long 2020's been? Remember when we almost went to war with Iran in January? Like, all the shit that has happened this year. Like, nothing surprises me This is me a bad this year. Point. This is a very bad year. Oh, it's a terrible year. Um, it's like the blimp on the yeah, I'm trying, cover of the Dookie album by Green Day, where it just says bad year instead of good year. We're, we're trying to get through it. We're almost there, guys. It's October. We're getting there. <laughs> Deep cut. This shit's almost over, hopefully. Um, hopefully 2021's a lot better. But, but until yeah, 2021, no. we have a lot of other shows that you can listen to on this we network. We do. Real nice. quick, before we get to the other shows on the network, though, we should just talk about the, the next week podcast. Because next week, we're reviewing a very important movie called The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, starring Green so and Daniel Craig. The only one I believe Matt hasn't seen coming up besides uh, Mank. I, I have Matt not seen it, and I am so excited. So, I love yes. 
uh, next week we'll be talking about the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So go ahead, Logan. What are the other shows on our network? Yes, uh, we have the CTP Movie Journal, Matt and Ryan's miscellaneous short-form movie podcast featuring the best of list. On alternating Fridays, we have Stop, Wait, What? Our improv comedy advice show. And Back in Style, our newcomer-friendly episodic review of Twin Peaks. And then on some various uh, inconsistent Mondays, we'll have Twisted Mug Mysteries, your one-stop shop for everything spooky and occult. What did I say? Mondays. You're right, Wednesdays. Twisted Mug Mysteries. Uh, We've got Octo Island, our extended universe Star Wars podcast series. And of course, I might play that, our all-new video game review podcast. Yes, and always we are on social media. Guys, it's the 21st century. We live on the internet. Of course we're on. Of course we're on social media. Uh, We are on Instagram and Twitter at Twisted Mug Media. Weird. But we're not on Facebook. Yeah, but at the same time, we're on Instagram. Pretty sure we actually just, are on Facebook. So, we just don't plug it. Really? Yeah. I didn't even realize we have we a Facebook page. There's like nothing on it. Oh, there's nothing just, on it. Yeah. There's like I a picture of us from like junior year of high school, I think. Oh my god. Or maybe senior wow. year. That's a throwback. I don't remember. So, yeah, after we just spent two hours shitting on Mark Zuckerberg, we are on Instagram, guys. <laughs> we are at Twisted Mug Media on both of those platforms. Please hit us up there. Give us a follow. If you'd like to email us, you can do so at TwistedMugMedia at gmail.com. Guys, please say hi. Say something. We'd love to hear from you. Please. Um, you know, even though people hit us up every day uh, asking us for money for their foreign relatives in Europe, <laughs> uh, for, <laughs> for, their, for their royal lineage and whatnot, uh, we'd love to hear from real Hello, person. I have $4 so, million, uh, dollars and I would like to give it to you. That's like the majority of the emails we get. It's just spam. <laughs> uh, we also have a YouTube. I don't... Matt, did you mention that? I okay. did not. You can plug Great. it. Great. Uh, we also have a YouTube. Uh, it's the Twisted Mug Media Network. Um, it's pretty cool. We post some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, recently, I think our most recent video is I did a review of Marvel's Avengers, the game that uh, just came out for PS4 and other consoles. I, I played it on the PS4. Um, I did kind of a deep dive into why I thought it didn't super work on release. Um, so go go check that out because it was a lot of fun to make. Um, other... Also go check out our Letterboxd page. Uh, if you're on Letterboxd, we are at uh, the Cinema Talk Podcast. You can just search Cinema Talk Podcast and you'll find us. And also in the bio, you will find uh, all of our other accounts, all of our handles. Our individual so, yeah, ones. You can see what yeah. movies we're watching outside of this. Quick programming Absolutely. update. Absolutely. Um um for stop wait what uh we're gonna push back a week i believe another back in style is being released on friday uh instead has been yes. well has this, just past, been this past friday yeah um so uh you, you'll know this by now but i just wanted to say that we are having my good friend will on the show uh you may know him from his uh adam driver impression on tiktok uh tiktok famous he is he's pretty tiktok famous at the moment he got retweeted by lena dunham he is what like f- he has like five, like five hundred thousand followers or something like that. Yeah, five hundred thousand yeah, followers. Insane. Um, really cool dude. We've been friends for about a year now, um, and I'm really excited to have him on the show. So make sure you check out that episode coming out. Uh, I guess this week when you're hearing this. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be. Be yes. sure to check it out. It'll be out on Friday. Yes, Go listen and, to it. And a quick update for me: I may be a little absent in some podcasts in the near future. I am going on a trip we'll be gone for about a month or so but i'm going to try my best to be on many as many of these episodes as i can because i really don't want to miss the david fincher series um i i will be here as best as i can but don't don't mourn my loss too much 
Yes, we will. Uh, we will have Matt on as many podcasts as he can. We'll see what his Wi-Fi situation is uh, going forward. But no, nevertheless, you will at least be back for Mank now because that is early December. Um, so yeah, guys, come back to the feed. Uh, go listen to our Back in Style from Friday. Go back and listen to all of the other 68 uh, CTP episodes before this one. And uh, come back on Friday for that fun episode of Stop, Wait, What? So uh, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Ryan. I'm Brennan. I'm Matthew. And I'm Logan. And we'll talk to you next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Every like age those has its visionary, has its vision. Cut this, Ryan, please. Do me a favor, <laughs> good buddy. Good buddy. <laughs>